It's just that easy. Hey folks, it's just that easy. You mix it up, you fix it up, you do it yourself. He can turn your little shack into a first-class castle. Save you time and money and a great big hassle. Hey folks, it's just that easy. You mix it up, you fix it up, you sand it down, you paint it brown, you measure twice, you cut it once. It's just that easy. Good morning, and uh, hey, it's Saturday again. That means it's time for the AskShell.com show. And this show is going to be something else. And the reason why it's going to be something else, because it's all home improvement this morning, because we're going to deal with uh, such things as tips in and around your home. Possibly you could relate to your cottage, you're up at the, uh, the ranch, you're up at the lake, or wherever you might be, as well as emails. And at the controls this morning, we have the delightful Morgan. Good morning, Morgan. Good morning, Shell. How are we doing this morning? I tell you, if I was any better, I'd like to be dangerous. But uh, it's one of those things today that uh, we would like to put everything together and get caught up on a lot of, uh, well, tippy items. Items that people are obviously having concerns about uh, in and around their home. So we're going to deal with those tips. And we'll kind of uh, mix it up with uh, some emails as well, because we got a bunch of emails, eh? We do. We've been holding off on them. We got to them last week's show. We got to some. But before that, we didn't get to emails at all, the the previous two. So we'll get some emails in today. And uh, the reason we're doing the tips today is because we've added a new feature to our website, askshell.com, where it is Shell Buzzy's tip of the day. Uh-huh. And every day there's a new tip added with a video of the tip. So these, we're going to go over a few of the tips that we've already added onto AskShell.com. You can go back there and check it each day because there's a new tip added. But uh, a little later in the show, we'll get through some of these tips that will relate to a, a few people out there. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, emails, uh, one of the items that we definitely want to make reference to, and that is that emails... Even though we're going to be answering emails today for the benefit of the listening audience, the homeowner that sent the email has already been taken care of. They've already got their answer. The email that they sent to us went back, and uh, we forwarded along with them, uh, in some cases, some uh, videos in order to show and tell sort of thing. And uh, But I don't want anyone to think that when an email is uh, read by yourself, and I do the answering that it hasn't already been taken care of by the uh, office here. We have uh, given them the information. It's gone directly to them. So it's not wait a month on an answer. You normally would get it the same within a few days of sending it in. Right. And you do respond to all the emails through an audio message. So they actually do know that it is you responding. It's, it's not, not an imposter. No, it's actually no. you who responds. So all of these emails came in through AskShell.com, and if you want to send in an email, it is very simple to do. All If you're not a member of our AskShell club, just register. It's very simple. You will get an email to confirm. Click on the confirmation, and then at any time, day or night, you can send in Shell an email. They can include pictures as well, so that's where these are taken pictures from. Pictures are worth a thousand words. Absolutely. The more pictures that we can get sent always help you in your answer. So these emails are taken from AskShell.com. 
as well as our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Search for Shell Buzzy's House Smart mm-hmm. and Twitter at Shell Buzzy as well. So, um, and we've got the tips videos. We mentioned that. If you do search for Shell Buzzy on YouTube, you should, can subscribe to the channel. We are over three million views now, Shell. So three million, boy, wouldn't you? You go back, and that's a lot of people. That's a lot of video visuals. Yes, and I know one of the ones that kind of surprised me that is one of our most viewed videos is actually uh, how to install an outdoor basketball hoop. There you go. So I think worldwide people uh, install the basketball hoops. So. I think they're watching a lot of basketball. One of the things that we have to make uh, people aware of as well, our listening audience, and folks, we do not share your email addresses. You can't believe how some people that I talk to and you talk to, Morgan, that are so, uh, oh, man, they, they just don't want to give up that email address because they're afraid of getting a whole bunch of junk mail. Right. And that does not happen, folks. We do not share. And uh, we, we send it to you. You get my voice message with the information on the how to, the what to, the where to, the why to, the when to, the who to, and we take care of it, just like the radio programs were a few years back when I decided to semi-retire. <laughs> yeah, semi-retired, all right. Good luck uh, with that. I, I, I always say that to anyone that asks me, um, Shelley, you retired yet? And I said, well, yeah, one foot out the door and the other one on a banana peel. But the banana peel is drying up. It's, I, I can't slip anymore on right. it. So, folks, we're here to help you on the... Uh, AskShell.com show. You're listening to right now every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right through till 9. So we're going to give you the uh, the opportunity here. Morgan, you start with whatever you like. If yes. you want to have the tips or you want to have the, uh, uh, the emails, let's th- go for it. I think we'll do the tips next segment, uh, and we'll do emails to start here. So All right. We'll start with David in Delta. Hi, Shell. The boards on my back deck are so close together that cleaning the crud that falls onto the deck is a royal pain. Only an air compressor and air gun can do it properly, but it takes forever. The trees are dropping seeds like snow on everything this summer and get caught between the boards. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of having the boards removed and replaced with new ones with adequate spacing so debris can drop down under the deck when I sweep. Can I just replace the deck surface boards with new ones? Is plasticide wood the way to go? Thanks. I think he's talking about composite decking. Composite decking is what he's talking about. But, you know, um, Morgan, this is something that uh, uh, we get asked a lot of, uh, especially when I'm out on the road or on visitations, that people have concerns when it comes to cleaning decks, be it a wood deck or be it a, a plywood deck. But in this case here... It's a dimensional lumber deck. Could be five quarter by four, five quarter by six, two by four, or two by six. And when they put the boards down, they're kiln dried and kiln dried. They don't shrink very much. So if you put down the green lumber and the green lumber dries, then you end up with that separation or that uh, space between the boards, which uh, in this case, he's quite uh, uh, concerned now because nothing will go through because the boards are tight. Mm-hmm. Well, I recall very distinctly uh, answering this email, and you know we like to make things just that easy. That that's a, uh, an actual word gathering I call it that I've used for many many years now, and it it is just that easy. So what I did with David, I said, David, 
very simply get yourself a nice piece of uh, one by four kiln dried. It could be double dressed material. You could pick up at your local building supply yard, like Windsor Plywood, and get into the moldings, and uh, or any of the stores that uh, have moldings like Urona's, etc. And then what you do, you put it on a straight edge. You, you drill holes in it so you can put screws. And the, the screws don't have to go into uh, an area that you're going to be uh, finishing. All you have to do is use maybe a finishing nail. But first of all, drill a hole with a drill, a very small drill in diameter. That way you can put a finishing nail through it, just tap it, hold it in place, and use that piece of 1x4 as a straight edge or a fence that you run your skill saw Whoops, should call it a circular saw because skill is a brand. But circular saw, using that uh, piece of one before as a fence and cut yourself a groove. It's just that easy. You could rotor it if you want to rotor it, if you have a rotor and you're really into rotors, or use your circular saw and open it up. Give yourself a 3 sixteenths of an inch or possibly even a quarter inch between your boards. And it's just that easy. Well, that would save... David, quite a bit of money, not oh, having to replace the deck yeah, boards. Absolutely, and uh, you know, when you start buying new deck boards, and especially composite uh, boards, as he says, plasticized, uh, composite is quite expensive, but you know, let me give a bit of uh, uh, a wordage on that uh, composite. You know, a lot of people say, oh gosh, that's expensive. Well, consider the fact, if you're building a deck out of uh, five quarter by four, or two by four, or two by six, that dimensional lumber is not going to hold a finish that's going to be anywhere compared to composite material that has, first of all, a, a plastic base. It's colored right through. It doesn't have the, uh, uh, the, the concerns with any resistance to uh, pressure washing, for example. Uh, they now make cleaning materials for composite decks that really clean deep because composite will get uh, stained as well, especially with leaves and the, the likes. So you want to really keep it uh, clean using a cleaning formula or just using the uh, composite deck cleaner. But four times possibly the price, but you don't have to refinish every couple of years. And I can tell you right now, Unless you do it properly, you're going to be doing it every couple of years. Right, and what's your time worth? Oh, what's your time worth? What's your product worth? Uh, what's uh, the uh, the weather waiting on the time that you can do it? Uh, you know, you could plan it on a weekend and the beautiful uh, weather you're hoping for, and all of a sudden it's raining. Uh, so it, it really is uh, uh, more expensive, but you're investing in the future. And you're investing in the future to the extent of life expectancy of composite. I mean, composite deck is going to be around for years mm-hmm. and uh, because of the, the product. So there you have it. Invest in the future. Go composite. If you're planning on changing color every so often, then go with your wood. But don't forget, go to our uh, uh, website and get the information on the video on the YouTube on how you go about properly finishing a wood deck. you got to do the bottom. You can't do the uh, the top and the sides and forget about the bottom. Because mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Right. Getting back to when you use the trim to cut with the circular saw, Yeah, you must have to seal that 
cut edge with something when you're you done? Could, yeah, you could, but if you're going to cut it, you're going to end up finishing anyway, finishing the deck. And finishing right. the deck, you can use a spray, and that spray, even a low-pressure uh, garden sprayer that you pump up, you can spray down into the, uh, the cavity uh, that you just cut mm-hmm. and get either side. And so it's it's not a hard thing to do. You could even use a roller, or you could uh, a, a very you can buy the foam wedge rollers now that are cut on a wedge, so you can go down into the groove and uh, get that all sealed up. Keep in mind the bottom side, very likely on this deck, as well as ninety nine point nine percent of the decks out there are not finished on the bottom anyway. So and it won't be long. So don't uh, uh, don't sit and pout. Let Shell help you, out, folks. Right. Do it right the first time. I, I didn't know that skill. I always called it a skill saw. I know. I, I know. always called it a but skill saw. Skills of ran. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just so happens that uh, uh, skill was around before a lot of the other ones were. Right. Yeah. Next email, Michael in Cloverdale. Yeah. We are planning on putting engineered hardwood flooring on top of our old rolled linoleum that runs from our kitchen through to the dining room area. Do I remove the kitchen cabinets and run the flooring under? Or just run it up to and around the cabinets. There is enough space to put the flooring just under the toe kick, about an inch or so. Cheers. Well, if there's uh, room to go underneath the toe kick, uh, uh, by all means, go ahead and do so. But it all is relevant, again, to the type of uh, flooring that he's putting down or or she's putting down. And uh, what I mean by that, if it's a click system, then you've got to... uh, put it in and then snap it down into place and you're not going to do that if you're underneath the the kickboard uh, because you can't make it unless you're going to move the cabinetry and if you're going to move the cabinetry then that's uh, another story altogether but as far as uh, coming up to the kickboard and then running a bead around it like a bead of uh, uh, base shoe molding uh, that sort of thing and that's the way I would go there's no real requirement to go in underneath I'd be very surprised they can go in underneath really to hear them say that you can go underneath because uh, there's got to be shimming in there somewhere in order to have that cabinet up off its uh, base blocks in order to give you. Now, there are cabinets today that uh, are on uh, actual legs that are adjustable legs in order to take up any uh, uh, discrepancy in the floor level. So uh, it all depends. But in answer to his question very simply, no need to uh, to go in under. Um, it's up to and then run a base shoe around it, and that base shoe you can get it pre-finished to match the uh, uh, the the flooring, or at least the laminate flooring, whatever it happens to be. So it's just that easy, but one of the things I want to just make reference, if you're going over top of the linoleum, which there's nothing wrong with doing it, but you want to make doggone sure that that floor doesn't have any uh, areas that would puddle in the event that uh, if there was uh, a, leveler, uh, a floor leveler on there to get rid of any of those uh, imperfections in the floor. Right. Okay, in the floor, because if there's any imperfections in there, then you're going to have a squeak one day. So make sure the floor is level, and if it's uh, a lionel floor or a vinyl floor, and it's got a very heavy uh, pattern in it that's embossed, then you want to fill that too. Fill it with a, uh, a premixed floor leveling compound, or you can buy the powder and mix it yourself. It's just that easy, but make sure you do it. Time for a break. We better take this break right now, folks. Uh, don't go away. Stay with us because we get lots more here on the AskShell.com show. And 
Welcome back, folks. Shell Buzzy here with the AskShell.com show every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. And uh, if you are just joining us at this hour, we are going to be uh, doing a lot of tips today on the program as well as emails that we have answered already to the homeowner. But we think these emails will help our listeners as well. So, therefore, we get emails today and tips and Morgan's with me. Morgan, go for it. Let's go for some tips. Okay, Shell, these tips came from AskShell.com. All you have to do is click on Shell Buzzy's tip of the day. We've got a number of them posted up there, and all of them come with videos as well to give you a bit more dimension to what you're watching. First tip of the day, how to create heritage doors. It's just that easy, Morgan, because you could have a closet door, you could have a pantry door, you could have a bedroom door and a bathroom door. All those doors could be the old uh, mono door, they were called, mahogany mono doors. And some are finished naturally, some are finished in a, in a paint finish. But how do you create a heritage door out of that? Well, you can do about anything you want as far as uh, design pattern on the face of the door. Keeping in mind, folks, bedroom doors and closet doors really only have one side that you will see into a hallway Uh, because the door is either open or closed and you're the only one inside uh, the bedroom or the bathroom. So one side of the door is all that's required, unless you're one of the fuss pots that we do have from time to time that want to do both sides. And if that's the case, then let's follow these instructions. Go to your local building supply store and look at the moldings. Look at the crown moldings. Look at the shingle molds. Look at the base uh, shoe molds. Look at all the different flat moldings that will give you all different creative uh, uh, molding designs. And what you do very simply is cut the square or the rectangular um, design that you want to plant on the door. So let's call it a molding plant that goes onto the door. And you can put it on there as a six-panel door or a four-panel door or a two-panel door. It's just that easy, folks. So cut them, miter them. Have them ready to go into place. Some people, what they'll do, they'll take double-faced tape, get the double-faced tape in the, on the back of the uh, the moldings, put them on the door to figure out which way they're going to go and how they're going to do it, put them on the door, and now drill and put finishing nails in and set the nails, and that way you can fill a nail hole and do your painting. You can paint your moldings. You can paint the moldings before you put them on, or you can paint them afterwards by masking them out. But you can paint doors white with the pattern of the molding, the character of the heritage design. All those things can be done very easily. But why take the doors off, throw them away, and uh, hardware, have it drilled, refinished? It's a lot of cost involved. Mm -hmm. So you can do it very easily by adding the heritage door molding plants on the face of the door. And you can buy those moldings at any building supply store today. Certainly stores like Windsor Plywood or West Coast Moldings and Millwork, they've got a real um, you know, large quantity of different moldings that are available. So there you have it. It is just that easy, folks. And uh, if you stay uh, uh, on our uh, website, you'll see, in fact, all the information is there. And uh, you'll be able to see the video I did as well. Yes, and I think that would actually be a good project to do with your kids if they oh. wanted to do their own bedroom door you could 
help them have design it with you and they Absolutely. could even paint the moldings themselves yeah and they, make a little they weekend can, project out of it you bet you they can take uh, oh they can get all kinds of characters and uh, they can put them on the uh, the doors as well mm-hmm. and uh, hey all kinds of things you save the, money and have fun and have fun next tip of the day how to sharpen scissors oh well you know sharpening scissors um, happens to be one of those things that uh, they get used first of all scissors get used for almost everything mm-hmm. cutting uh, uh, paper obviously what they're meant to do or cutting fabric but sometimes they get into cutting fine wire uh, they get into cutting uh, especially computer wires that type of thing if you're making uh, a new uh, um, telephone line in your home whatever but uh, sharpening them very simply take sandpaper Sandpaper. Uh, sandpaper. Take sandpaper, and uh, you can get into an emery paper, for example. You can get into uh, any one of the very fine uh, garnet papers. Get into something like a 200 grit, 220 grit, and cut yourself some strips for your sanding uh, uh, machine, like your pad sander. Mm. That way, when you're cutting, you're sharpening your scissors. So all you have to do is cut the sandpaper. Just cut the sandpaper. Wow. No reason to put the sandpaper on a block or anything like that. When you're cutting, your blade is actually cutting, matching the blade on the opposite uh, um, uh, finger of the of the scissors, mm-hmm. and sharpening them up. It's just that easy. Now that's a simple tip right there. Yeah. Next tip: window security film. This is uh, to secure your house, especially if when you got windows right next to doors or your entrance doors. Yep. Well, you know, security film is the type of thing today that will save. Uh, a break-in, for an example. There's a lot of older door, front door, entrance designs. It's got side lights to the left or to the right or possibly on both sides of your entrance door. And uh, invariably what happens, you've got a single uh, bolt, uh, deadbolt, and you could break the glass, reach in, unlock the door, and you're into the house. Those are things today that you've got to be very cautious of, very careful, and make sure you do have double-ended lockable deadbolts so you got a key on both sides because if you don't have that sort of thing then you don't have any security whatsoever if they break the side light and get to the point of where that uh, deadbolt with the little uh, uh, thumb latch on it that you could open it up so what you want to do is have security window film applied to the inside of your uh, uh, your side light window and that security glass, you can't break the glass out because the security film on the inside maintains or retains the glass in a solid position. Yes, you'll break the glass, but you won't get it to fall out. It's right. just that easy. So, And people like uh, uh, Nuco uh, uh, Plastics, Nuco Products now they're known as, in uh, uh, Greater Vancouver, out in uh, Port Coquitlam, you can buy that or have them do it for you. Or you can buy security film at a lot of building supply stores as well. So, so you only have to do the one side? You don't you know, have to do both just sides? Just the one side, okay. the inside. And this is one that I do suggest that they go to ashshell.com and watch the video because in the video you take great joy in <laughs> shattering the glass that's next to the door. <laughs> so I would go check that one out. Uh, next tip of the day, how to remove floor bounds when you got that shaky cabinet in your uh, living room or kitchen. Well, if it's me walking across the floor, take some weight off, Shell. <laughs> but uh, it's really, today when in, uh, you're building a home, 
uh, there's what we call building code. Building code has uh, spans uh, that uh, joists, uh, be it uh, trust joists or whatever type of joist system that's being used in the new construction. In the older homes, uh, that you'll have uh, dimensional lumber, like 2x8s, 2x10s, 2x12s, depending on the span. And the engineering of a, a home today will be uh, producing a sizing of the truss joist or the solid uh, uh, lumber joist in order to give you the structural stability that's required under the code. Sometimes that isn't adequate. It's adequate to hold the house up. It's adequate to hold your furniture. It's adequate to have a number of children in there bouncing around and having fun. But that doesn't stop the bounce in the floor because you got bridging between the joists, which stopped the joists from curling. But also it will give structural matter to the joists in the joist spacing. But if you really want to take the joists and strengthen them up and give you that structural no bounce, then what you do is underneath, down in the crawl space, or down in an unfinished basement, and you strap the underside of the joist. That way you're actually forming a box joist. And that box joist, you've got plywood up top, and you'll now have strapping down below. Now, a lot of people, what they will do, they'll put a drop ceiling panel in downstairs for a finished uh, rec room or a finished... Uh, um, possibly a mortgage helper, a suite. And those panels, you can just pop right out of there. That's right. But the wires that hold them is no structural matter to them. So therefore, what you have to do is take those panels out, put one by three strapping under the joist, 12-inch centers, and randomly applied to the underside of the joist, meaning you would not have all your butt ends on a one joist run. Mm. So you stagger your seaming. Right. But you 12-inch centers, 1x3 strapping, and even if you buy the green, meaning a little bit damp, when it dries, it pulls. And when it pulls that joist, it will pull it tight on the uh, bridging as well that's between uh, the joists. So not only do you have the plywood on top and the bridging in the middle and the strapping under, that takes the bounce out of a floor. So you don't walk across and your china cabinet playing a tune to you. <laughs> so it's... Uh, it's, it's a good thing to do, and uh, also it's a good thing to do if you're putting a, a suite in downstairs because obviously you can add insulation and you can get that sound uh, uh, barrier in place and uh, stop that transfer of sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is another question down the road I'm sure we'll get uh, here on our show. So Absolutely. Uh, we will get to more of these tips a little later on, but a reminder, go to askshell.com anytime to check out these tips. There are videos of all of them up there with Shell showing you how to do them. The how to, the what to, the where to, the why to, the when to, the who to, folks. And you're listening to Shell Buzzies. AskShell.com show. And it's on the Ask Shell radio network. So, folks, don't go away. We're going to take a break to uh, pay some bills. And then we'll be back with more emails and tips here on the Saturday Home Improvement the show that gives you it all, AskShell.com. Back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, folks. Shell Buzzy here with the AskShell.com show. And, uh, you know, folks, uh, 
here in Greater Vancouver. The radio programming that you're listening to right now on 107.7 FM, uh, you are listening to a, I like to call it a, um, a, a radio station with a footprint. And that footprint really covers Fraser Valley and as far uh, uh, north as uh, Richmond, uh, or I guess northwest, we'd say there, uh, Chawasson, Ladner, and uh, certainly on into some of the areas of Burnaby, etc. But folks, in Chawasson, the sponsors of this program, the Rona Building Center in Chawasson, right behind Chawasson Mills um, Shopping Center, and if you haven't been to the uh, uh, the Chawasson Mills Shopping Center, then I would be very surprised. But if you're going to the uh, the ferry terminal, then by all means pop in. Rona is right behind the shopping center, just one block behind. You can't miss it. In fact, you enter the shopping center back facing. You can see the uh, the Rona store there in broad uh, uh, well broad daylight actually. Uh, because it's right across the parking lot. But in any event, they have a column every other week in the Optimist newspaper that's called the Q&A, question and answer. And that question and answer is where we take questions from the, uh, the reader of the Optimist newspaper. And the Optimist newspaper is from Chawasson, and that's the Delta Optimist. And I have the Q&A, and every other week you'll see the Q&A. So we want to thank uh, Chawasson, the Rona store, owned and operated by Mac Foster and company, and family, and the same family owns the Rona store in Richmond. Uh, So there you have it. Uh, Thank you very much, Rona, for making this time on the 107.7 radio program, and we uh, take care of of you here. And Morgan, we can get back into emails, I guess. Yes, uh, this email comes from Susan in Ladner. There you go, Ladner. Hi, Shell. The tiled front entryway to our condo building is very slippery and unsafe when wet. We have had quotes from two companies that repave over-tiled surfaces with a recycled rubber product that is non-slip, crack-resistant, and easy maintenance. Are there any problems with resurfacing with this material over the tiles? Are there any problems with this type of repaving? Do you know of any other type of resurfacing that would be better? Thank you. Well, you know, Morgan, uh, what do you think? Now, have you ever run into this situation where you have uh, uh, tiles? And uh, and another thing that kind of ties right into this sort of uh, slipperiness is a bathtub. And, uh, you know, you get into... Uh, a bathtub, especially the older metal bathtubs. Most of the tubs today are uh, acrylic uh, or fiberglass. But uh, the metal tubs and ceramic tile that have a, uh, uh, a surface that is very glossy can be very slippery when wet. Yeah, it's almost like you're on a roller coaster ride in some of those tubs. Yeah, and you don't uh, fall on uh, a ceramic tile or in a bathtub and not hurt yourself because you know it's not the fall that hurts it's a sudden stop and uh, believe you me folks in this particular case Susan brought up a very good question and we do have that resource available uh, by one of our service trades that's part of our 
Shelbuzzy Home Services. So, folks, if you're having this type of concern at home and you do have a metal bathtub, for example, uh, doesn't matter what color or ceramic tile in a room or rooms in your home or condominium hallways or foyers or entrances like uh, Susan uh, uh, has in Ladner, then we have that service available. All you have to do is call us and we'll have that company get in touch with you. And that is call Shelbuzzy's Home Services, 542-2236. Put the 604 in front of it, 604-542-2236. It's just that easy. But they will actually put a finish, create a finish on your tile that will be non-slip. Now, going back, I did not uh, do it purposely, overlook the opportunities of options that you had. But putting anything over top of ceramic tile is not what I would suggest an option at all. I This would not even go there. So using uh, uh, crushed walnut uh, shells in a clear finish one day is going to very likely yellow out on you or it will be affected by the, uh, uh, the ultra uh, sun rays. And uh, ultraviolet will fade. And ultraviolet fading and getting a yellow finish is not good. As far as going over top with a, a coating, keep in mind you've got doors that are opening, you've got transitions to think of, and all those, to me, to cover up beautiful ceramic tile and go with a, a colored uh, uh, type of coating, I wouldn't even consider it. Why not have the tiles done in such a way that you're going to have the non-slip but you're going to have the beauty still showing through. It's just that easy, Morgan. Good stuff. Next email comes from Cole in Surrey. Hello, Shell. I have a floating heated concrete floor in my garage. The outer foundation is grade beam on piles. This was built about seven years ago. Every year, the floating floor raises a bit, and the unheated concrete parking pad outside rises at the same rate. I keep thinking it will stop rising, but it's up two and a half inches over the seven years. Have you ever heard of this before? Thank you, Cole. Well, Cole, yes, I have. I have. Uh, I don't think there's uh, too many things that I haven't heard about over the 30-odd years being on radio, open line, talking to people about uh, their concerns, their problems, and solving those problems, etc. But in your case, uh, Cole, you're on piles, and uh, you can imagine now when you get frost heave, and you get frost heave on the underside, what goes up doesn't necessarily come down, especially when the foundation is being supported structurally on pilings, because the piling very likely is not moving. It's the product that's moving on top, and as it goes up, there's a cavity form on the underside. Now, having said that, and being that it is heated, you can get uh, the ultra a violet type of uh, heating gun that will identify where the heat source is. Uh, we call it a heat identifying uh, camera that will show you where the heat pipes are. And then what you would do, you would drill between those and then use a slab jacking process of filling that cavity in underneath the slab. Getting the slab to go down now, that's not going to happen. But giving the cavity underneath that's causing the problem, filling up with water, 
at the time of year when you've got uh, water under and freezing uh, temperatures and you get it freezing, you're going to have ice expansion, and that ice expansion is what's lifting it. So you want to get that filled up and uh, taken care of. That way you will not have the problem uh, down the road. It's just that easy, Cole. If you have any concerns, 604-542-2236. That's our information line. Give it a call. You'll either get Morgan or get myself. And if I'm not in, Morgan will see to it that it gets to me and I'll get to you or Morgan will take care of it for you. Okay, so there you have it. And in this particular case, uh, I recall talking uh, with Cole. Mm. So it's uh, already taken care of. But if you have that problem, hey, do it the right way. It's just that easy. Excellent. Uh, next email. These All these emails have come through askshell.com. You can go to askshell.com to find a certified home service provider. You can ask Shell a home improvement question, read articles on home improvement topics, watch videos, listen to previous shows on the podcast, and you can view Shell Buzzy's tip of the day, which we will get to more in our next segment. I think this will probably be the last email that we get to today, Shell. We have a problem that I cannot explain. Oh, this one comes from Lauren in Delta. We have a problem that I cannot explain. It's my hot water tank, as in the hot water always seems to be dirty. I have drained out the tank and flushed it from the bottom valve as well. We seem to have had plumber's nightmare over the years. (laughs) We have ended up with two expansion tanks over the hot water tank. The cold water is clean. Could I have a hot water tank problem? This is not an old tank. Well, first of all, the the name was what? Lauren? Lauren, did you say? Lauren. Well, Lauren, um, why any plumber would put uh, two expansion tanks on a hot water tank, I don't know, other than they wanted to sell you something. But uh, anyway, that's not your problem. Expansion tanks don't produce that uh, cloudy water or, uh, as you call it, the... uh, um, the residual ink, you call it uh, uh, in the tank. Uh, is that what it called it there? What did he call it there? He, the terminology he used there uh, that's in the tank that it has the um, uh, dirty water? It, it's my hot water tank, as in the hot water always seems to be dirty. dirty yeah. So but the cold water is clean. Yeah, yeah. Well, cold water coming into the tank is one thing. Uh, Hot water coming out of the tank is something else. When water goes into a tank, if there's anything in the water, it's going to settle. And uh, when it's in a tank and it's uh, uh, contained, then if there's any sediment, it's going to fall to the bottom. And when you take and add water by using hot water, hot water comes off the top of the tank, cold water goes into the bottom in order to be heated, especially in a gas hot water heater. In a electric, there could be two uh, heating elements in the hot water tank. But I think you'll find that the natural gas is the one that you'll uh, have more of a problem because of the uh, boiler being at the bottom. So let's deal with the cloudiness. When the water comes in from the supply of the main uh, line outside your home from the city or the municipality or the town, water's coming in, it goes into the bottom of the tank. Hot water goes out of the top. When that water is coming in, it's flushing the sediment at the bottom of the tank. So not only are you getting the flushing of the whatever the residual might be, 
It could be sand. It could be algae. It could be any number of things. And I often bring up to uh, uh, a person when I'm talking to them, when they bring this type of problem to me, and I'll say, now, have they been flushing your lines in the community? And if you're ever driving down the street and you see a, a fire hydrant with a hose attached to it, very large hose, and then there's a great big pan where the water's coming out of the fire hydrant and this flushing down the wall, uh, down the uh, curbs and into the uh, drainage system, uh, storm drainage system, what they're doing, they're flushing the lines. And when they're flushing the lines, they're flushing the residual, exactly what we have now in the tank. So that's going to give you cloudiness. Secondly, what they're flushing out is going to eventually get into your home, in through the cold water, into your uh, uh, your tank, and um, that tank is going to have the sediment in the bottom, and it's going to show cloudiness. And that's uh, caused from sediment being uh, aggravated or cleansed and flushed away out the line, down the road, and into the storm sewer. But in your case, now it's in the bottom of the tank, and the way that you do uh, maintain your hot water tank is get a hose, garden hose, put it on the... Uh, the valve at the bottom of your tank, hook it up, put it into a drain or put it into a sink. Uh, maybe the laundry sink is close by or run it outside. But run enough water off the bottom of the tank that you'll see it run clear. You'll see the sediment because the flushing of the water is now coming in at the bottom because you're replacing the water in the tank. So they're replacing it. It's going to fill up. And when it's filling up, it's creating this cloudiness and it's going to show up in the uh, uh, hose that you've got wherever you have been terminated into a sink. You'll see the cloudiness, and as soon as it runs clear, shut the valve off, put your hose away, and continue on. Now, a lot of people will put uh, filters on. Uh, this won't happen if you've got a water softener because the water goes into the softener uh, first. Uh, there's all kinds of things. But if you want to really check it to see if that is where it's coming from, Take a, a glass, just a clear glass tumbler. Fill it full of water at night, and I don't let it run for a while, and then fill the glass and let it sit on the counter overnight and see what the sediment in the bottom of the glass is in the morning. Mm -hmm. And you don't notice it when you're filling it up, maybe putting ice in it right. and drinking it. You don't see it. but And it's not something that's going to be harmful to your health, it's just a matter that it uh, shows up in water, especially in a tub. If you're going to fill up a tub to have a bath, you're going to see the sediment or you better see the cloudiness. It's just that easy. You've got to maintain, and maintaining a tub or maintaining your hot water tank, they all run together. Right. Well, that was going to be one of our tips of the day that we were going to get to next segment, so we don't have to. But uh, how often should you flush out your hot water tank? Well, that's a very good question, but uh, I would make a habit of it doing it at least every six months. And now if you've got the problem that uh, Lauren has, then I would say maybe you're going to have to do it uh, every couple of months mm -hmm. until such time as it does run clear. It may even be a, a situation if it's an older house, and it wasn't in this case, but if it's an older house where the water line comes in from the main supply line of the, uh, uh, the township or city water, goes through the footing which is now supporting the structure of your foundation wall and it might shear it off 
or shear it to the point that there's a hole in it. So every time you demand water inside the home, it will suck the dirt residual that's around that uh, hole in the pipe that's now sheared at the point of the home settling, and you've got now sucking that uh, earthy appearance being the dirt residual, soil residual, sand residual into the home and it's showing up in your hot water tank. So there's many, many different uh, angles, but that's why we make the emails so easy to get the answers. All you have to do, folks, is make sure the email gets to me. And you can do that very simply the way that you've been uh, indicated and uh, explained by Morgan. It's just that easy. Right. Just go to AskShell.com. If you're not a member, it's simple to join. We do not share your emails with anyone. And then you can ask Shell a question at any time of day, any time of the week. Hey, we're going to have to take another break here to pay some bills. Folks, you're listening to Shell Buzzies. AskShell.com. Shell Buzzy, that's me. And uh, we're going to take this break. Don't go away. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back, folks. Shell Buzzy here with the Shell Buzzy Ask Shell.com show. And you're listening to the Information Education Radio because we call it the how to, the what to, the where to, the why to, the when to, the who to. We take care of it all, making it just that easy in and around your home. And with so many new uh, homeowners and a number of millennials owning a home for the first time, hey, this is the show that you want to listen to because any questions you do have, you get the opportunity to get in the answer. You may even hear the answer by listening to the show. Maybe on your way to work, in the car, whatever the case may be. Here on 107.7. Pulse FM. Uh, we'll get back to tips now. You we, bet. We've got, done a few emails, so we'll get back to the tips. These are on AskShell.com, Shell Buzzy's tip of the day. Now here's one. How to make your carpet non-slip. Now we're talking about area rugs or throw rugs, not uh, carpet that's laid down, Show. Okay. Well, you know, both of those are good questions. So very quickly, I'll take care because I know we're coming up to the end of the show here. But if you've got a carpet on top of a slippery surface or you've got a carpet on top of a carpet, then you want to stop it from slipping around because there's nothing worse than carpet and carpet because it does move around. But you can get now latex sprays, for example. Mm. Uh, latex spray, which is latex rubber. You can spray that on the back. It won't uh, go through and damage your carpet by any means but it will make a rubber finish on it, and that rubber finish will go right down on top. Some people will put double-faced uh, carpet tape. No, no, don't do that because you'll leave an adhesive residual on the carpet on the underside, which is your wall-to-wall carpet, possibly. Uh, carpet uh, on top of uh, uh, a slippery surface like ceramic tile or uh, laminate flooring, then you can buy a waffled, uh, um, it's like a foam, and it's very thin. A lot of people use it as a liner in drawers for an example but you can buy it in a wider and uh, pieces that can be cut the same size as your carpet that you're having as an area carpet and put it on the underside put your carpet down on top of that and bingo no more slip that's it, very expensive i think you can get that at a dollar store even oh yeah it's it's very very uh, inexpensive actually it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, to do the the job and do it right sometimes you know it's that item that uh, you haven't even thought of, but it's there facing you every day you walk into a store. It's just that easy. I think we got time for one more tip here, Shell. How to screw through a carpet. Oh, that's very simple. 
if you're running wood screws or any type of screw uh, through carpet, you want to always take the thread on the screw and wrap it with uh, cellophane tape or scotch tape, as we commonly call it. Okay? This wrap the threads, go the threads through the carpet. It won't pick up the, uh, uh, the, the tufts and spin them off and uh, strip your carpet. Just put the tape right on the thread and away you go. It's you, just that easy. If you don't do that, you could really damage your oh, carpet. Oh, yeah. You can, you, can have a, you can have a seam pull and uh, have a line on your carpet you'll never fix. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Okay, well, we've come up to the end of the show. We're Time to say goodbye for another one show. Folks, in Chawasan, the sponsors of this program, the Rona Building Center in Chawasan, right behind Chawasan Mills um, Shopping Center, we want to thank uh, Chawasan, the Rona store, owned and operated by Mac Foster and Company and family, and the same family owns the Rona store in Richmond. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, thank you very much, Rona, for making this time on the 107.7 uh, radio program, and we uh, take care of you here. Well, folks, you've been listening to the AskShell.com show, a show that we always enjoy that time with you, and I hope that you enjoy your time with us. And uh, Morgan and myself here on Saturday mornings, so we want to say, as usual, love you all, take care, we'll talk to you next week here on the AskShell.com show.